Hey there. Because you're listening to this podcast, we at Blue Wire want you to know this. One, we freaking love you. And two, we want to learn more about you. Help us make more content you'll love by filling out a survey you can find in the description of this podcast. You'll help us out a ton, and you'll have a chance to win a Blue Wire t-shirt, hoodie, or a pair of AirPods. We appreciate you, hope you're staying safe, and want you to enjoy this podcast. It's important to establish that culture of winning, the importance of winning, and doing things the right way. So for us, it's just to keep building upon that. Throws it. There he is. Watkins, and it's a big man touchdown in Miami. Welcome in, Dolphins fans. Another episode here of Fin It to Win It brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Riley Bradshaw, alongside, as always, Mason Inglehart. You can interact with the show, as always, guys, on social media. We're at Fin It to Win It on Facebook and Twitter. So engage, interact with us there. We have a jam-packed episode for you guys tonight. We're going to be diving into the depth chart, discussing the linebackers. A lot of new faces coming into this unit, a lot of returners as well, so we're going to dive into those guys. But first, uh, Mason, I think before we kick things off, on a somber note, I hate to start the episode like this, but we have to pay our respects to a Miami Dolphins great that has passed. Unfortunately, we've been saying that far too many times, uh, I feel like, recently. But legendary running back Jim Kick from the 72-73 championship teams. Uh, He passed away earlier this week at the age of 73. So just wanted to pay our respects to him because he really is one of the Dolphins' greats when you think about that outstanding trio of running backs that the Dolphins had back in the day. Definitely sad, Riley. And when the news broke, we had just finished recording our previous podcast or two, so we didn't get a chance to really take some time to talk about it. But Jim Kick, Dolphins legend, was part of that three-headed monster a trio of running backs the Dolphins had in the early 70s with Mercury Morris and Larry Zonka, won the Dolphins back-to-back Super Bowls. He was in all three with them, and he even scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl in 72 when the Dolphins went undefeated. So definitely a Hall of Famer for the Dolphins, great player, very sad to hear just him going. And, you know, it's sad anytime someone passes away, but especially this time with everything going on with COVID, with separation, with family not really having that closure that they really should have had with him. So very tough, you know, last month or so we lost Shula, now kick. It's it's definitely a somber moment for sure. Yeah, 2020 has been rough, not going to lie, for many reasons. I mean, there's been a lot of good, you know, the Dolphins, organization is definitely trending the right way. We bring in Tua, a lot of young faces, a lot of young new faces, and there's a lot to be excited about. But, you know, our heroes, I guess you could say, growing up, Mason, are starting to, you know, it's getting that time where these 72 Dolphins and these uh, these earlier teams are, these guys are starting to age and, you know, life is life. And it's it's hard to swallow because, you know, you grow up idolizing these guys. I got to meet a lot of them, like Bonacati. Uh, he passed away last year. I got to meet him uh, back like 10 years ago uh, when I met the 72 Dolphins team. So it, it's hard to see these guys, you know, aging and passing on. But, you know, I don't want to sound corny here, but they may be passing on, but <laughs> they're leaving a pretty damn good legacy, you know, from that 72 Dolphins team. So I don't think their names will ever be forgotten. 
And hopefully these new guys coming to the Dolphins, all these new faces that we have on this squad can continue to just learn from what impact these players made in the 70s and throughout the decades with the Dolphins and just really making the Dolphins the popular franchise that it is today. Absolutely. So our thoughts are with Jim Kick and his family. Uh, cheers to you. We'll, we'll drink one for you tonight, Jim. Thank you for the great memories. You're one of the greats, and we'll never forget you as a Miami Dolphin. So, all right. Before we get into the linebacking depth chart dive, let's go ahead and talk about it's almost here, Mason. On is, Friday, we're going to be finally revealing who's going to win the Tua jersey giveaway. I know fans have been clamoring on social media, dying to find out who's going to win it, and you will find out this Friday in our Fins Up Friday episode. There is still time. If you haven't yet, go to our social media accounts and interact with our posts. I think there's four on Twitter now and two on Facebook that you can interact with. So each time you interact, so you retweet or share a post, that counts as a separate entry. So it increases your chances of getting your name picked out of the hat and announce the winner of the free two of Jersey. So if you haven't, make sure you do that because whew, the list is growing, Mason. I think we have over like 1,400 retweets now alone from Twitter. It's pretty it's awesome gonna, seeing the fans. Yeah. It's pretty awesome seeing the fans getting so into it. It's going to be an awesome Fins Up Friday show. Not only, Riley, are we going to announce the winner of that Tua jersey, but we started the voice call system for our show, and it's been it's been awesome. It's been, it's been a great blowing hit. up, man. We, we've gotten a ton of phone calls from that and some voicemails and messages that we're going to be playing on the show on Friday, and we're going to be answering some questions. We're going to try our best to get to as many as we can. And, of course, if we don't get to some of them, we'll save it for the next Fins Up Friday episode. So it really just goes to show you just – how many Dolphin fans there are all over the country and all over the world because we're getting yes. calls from Canada. We're getting <laughs> calls from New York, the West Coast. It, it is awesome. We've only gotten a couple calls, Mason, from Florida. <laughs> it's nuts. We've got yeah, New York, Canada, Phoenix, Tennessee, Georgia, all over the country. It's so cool that fans are really getting involved with the show here at Finit to Win It. So thank you, everyone for the support. It's really awesome. And we got some great phone calls too. Like the quality of the calls, the questions, the comments are pretty spectacular. So it's going to be a fun fins up Friday with that and the two a Jersey giveaway. So make sure you follow us at Finit to win it for all the latest updates. So before we move ahead, let's go ahead and get a quick word from today's sponsor of the show bet online. Everyone, there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, betonline.ag. Mason, why don't you tell the people more? So Riley, as we know, sports, they're slowly making their way back. Major League Baseball just announced their season's going to be getting underway shortly. NBA season we know is getting underway as well. So it's awesome to see that. And of course, BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all the UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have the simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. But if you're looking for something else other than sports, no worries. BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. So visit BetOnline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, Mason, let's go ahead and dig into these linebackers. I don't remember if I did my three words for the secondary. For some reason, I feel like I forgot and totally passed I don't, by on that. Yeah, I, I don't think you did. And... I think I did catch it in the episode, so shame on me a little bit for not reminding you, but 
you know, I know you're a busy guy with everything. So, you know, once in a while I can let, I can let things like that slip by, but I did miss it a little bit. I did miss the three words. It's a good way to set the tone for the positional group. It gives us a good kind of point of view, what you feel like from the group. We can kind of go back and forth with that. So I'm glad you're doing it this time. Yeah. I didn't bring my A game. What can I say? Didn't bring my A game for the secondary. So I'm going to try tonight. I have my three words. So let's start off with that. All right. For the linebackers, Mason, I have the words depth, hybrid, okay. and youth. Mm. Mm. Depth, mm. hybrid, and youth. Okay. I mean, I I tend to agree with all three of those because, yeah, we definitely have some depth in this linebacker group, and we're going to go over these different guys. But, you know, there, there's a lot of guys who are going to be vying for some playing time. Some new yeah. guys coming in, like Landon Roberts and Hill. Some guys who've been here before, like Andrew Van Ginkle. And then some rookies as well, like the rookie Curtis Weaver. So depth is definitely something that this unit does have. Hybrid was another word you used. I like that. I know one of the guys we're going to probably talk about first is definitely a player we're going to see in that spot. And that's one of the newest Dolphins, Kyle Van Noy, someone who I'm personally really excited about. The more I dig into him, the more tape I watch, the more I look into stuff that he's done the last few years in New England. It, it is one of the most important signings the Dolphins did in the offseason. We've Agreed. talked about how weak their pass rush was last year. This is really going to step it in the right direction. And then what was the third word used? Youth. Youth. Yeah, Youth. Mason, okay. 10 out of 12 players listed as linebackers on the Dolphins' official roster are 26 or under. That's crazy. Yeah, and if you, and if you include, Mason, Curtis Weaver, who's actually listed as a defensive end on the roster, we're going to talk about him probably in both that breakdown and we're going to talk about him tonight. But if you count him, that's 11 out of 13 guys are either 26 or under. And that's not really surprising. It is crazy, but this is a very young team. I gave you that stat a few episodes ago about the Dolphins, uh, the two players that have been on this team the longest are Devontae Parker and Bobby McCain. I mean, when you say those two names, you don't think, oh man, those are old veteran guys. No, they've been here five or six years. So this team is full of youth, and that's not a bad thing because as this team grows, as they get better through the years, you want these younger guys coming up into their own so good three words, Riley. I agree with all three of them. Yeah, so those are words you'll be hearing throughout the episode. So yeah, Mason, you kind of talked about it a little bit, but I don't want to spend too much time on it, but we know how much the defense struggled last year. They ranked last in points allowed, uh, 30th in yards per game, 29th in turnovers. So a lot of changes needed to be made. Obviously, the secondary, Xavier Howard was injured. They bring in Byron Jones. They make some switching up at the safety position. And at linebacker, there are a ton of new faces in this unit. It's one of the most intriguing units to me, Mason, because there's going to be so much competition when we get to training camp. I talked about that word depth. And when we go through these players, you'll kind of see that formulating like, wow, it's going to be tough to get on the field in some of these positions. I mean, we have a couple guys we know will be on the field most of the time, but there's guys on there that you can make a strong case why you could see him on the field quite a bit or not see him on the field a lot, depending on how they perform early in the season. So let's go ahead and start breaking down these players and talking about the new addition. So we've already mentioned him a few times, Kyle Van Noy. He's actually the veteran of the group, Mason, 29 years old, the savvy <laughs> veteran. <laughs> the old timer. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he comes in on a four-year, $51 million deal. And like you said, Mason, I think a lot of a lot of fans know him. He was with the Patriots. He had a pretty good year last year, a career high in sacks, six and a half. But what I think you really need to look at is not only the player that he is, but the matchup, right, with head coach 
Brian Flores. That right there is what gets you so excited because his best years in this league were when he was playing for Brian Flores. And it was interesting to hear Van Noy's comments when he was first signed by the Dolphins. He was pretty quick to state that, listen, we are our own team here in Miami. We are not the New England Patriots. And obviously that question was asked because of how many former Patriots the Dolphins brought in, including Brian Flores and including our defensive coordinator as well. There's a lot of New England in this Miami roster, especially on the defensive side. But I like it how Van Noy stepped up and he said, no, we're our own team. We're making everything on our own here in Miami. And that's one of the many reasons why I feel like he's going to be a leader in this locker room. You mentioned at the ripe age of 29, he's going to be one of the oldest defenders on this side of the ball, but he is definitely going to be a leader. Pro Football Focus rated him as the 16th best edge defender. That's right, edge defender last year. We're going to see a lot of versatility from Kyle Van Noy next year. And in 51 games for the Patriots, he had 16 and a half sacks and 250 tackles when he helped them win two Super Bowls. So he's going to bring a lot to this defensive side of the ball. I love his versatility, but I really, really, really think his leadership is going to come in handy, yes. especially That's the key, when Mason. times get tough. He brings that winning culture, right? Two Super Bowls. He's a versatile linebacker. It's interesting when you look at his stats, kind of how he was used. Uh, when Brian Flores was there and when Brian Flores left. Last year, you mentioned it, and I mentioned that he had a career high in sacks. He was used primarily as a pass rusher. The year before, he led the team in tackles with 92, and you saw him all over the field. And I think what you're going to see is a kind of a mixture of those two this year for Miami, and that's what makes me so excited. And that's what Brian Flores is trying to do. He wants to bring in guys that he can use in multiple areas of the defense that can do a lot of different things. Yeah, Kyle Van Noy might not be an elite pass rusher. He might not be elite in coverage or elite stopping the run, but he does them all very well. And that's the kind of guys that Brian Flores likes. Just, you know, overall good, strong football players that he can utilize their skill sets and make the most out of their talents. And that's what Kyle Van Noy brings to this defense. And if you go back, Riley, to 2018, when Van Noy did play under Brian Flores in New England, it was essentially split for his snaps on the field from box defender and at the edge, 514 snaps at box defender and 563 at the edge. I have a feeling that that's kind of what we're going to see here in Miami. We're going to see him moving around the field in different sets, depending on how many linebackers the Dolphins use. I mean, this is a unit that is going to use five or six defensive back packages a lot. So Miami's not, yeah, Miami's not going to have four natural linebackers on the field a lot of the time. And we can talk about who we feel like the starters are going to be later on uh, in this episode as we kind of finish up going through all the names. But that does need to be mentioned because I feel like when Miami uses different sets, that's when they're going to have to feature Kyle Van Noy at different positions. But he really grades out from PFF very well at different spots of the field. So it's nice to see him not just excel at one spot. That versatility is really going to come in handy. Yeah, absolutely. And he's not the only Patriot coming over. He also right. brings with them a Landon Robertson. Mason, I'm trying to remember, was he one of your breakout candidates? Is that where we talked about him before um, in a previous episode? I know you were really stoked about Landon Roberts coming over for multiple reasons. I'm pretty sure it was in our breakout player segment. Yeah, so when we had our breakout player segment, we obviously went through our Dolphins that were on the team last year, and we each right. gave a player who came in from free agency. I believe you said Matt Breida, yes. which was the easy. Yeah, I said Breida. Matt Breida. Matt Breida was the easy throwaway choice. So you took the easy <laughs> road. Um, I kind of dug a little deeper and I picked somebody who is 
probably not going to be a starter for Miami, especially at the beginning of the year, but he is going to be someone who can add a lot of depth. Uh, if you don't really remember the name Landon Roberts from last year, he scored a 38 yard touchdown against the dolphins when we beat uh, the Patriots in new England. So we yeah, what's a Mason, line- we remember. Yeah. Yeah. What's a linebacker doing playing fullback, but that's one of Landon Roberts specialties. He's a very versatile player. He can be moved around just like Kyle Van Noy. He's got excellent leadership. Bill Belichick talks about how he's a leader on and off the field. He's got great effort too out there. I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can do. I mean, in his career, he's has over 200 tackles got four sacks, a forced fumble. He kind of can do different things around the field. He definitely lives on that downhill track. He makes Perfect, high percentage yep. tackles near the line of scrimmage. Very, very yep. solid tackler. Chest up, wraps him up. He's got great heart. Yeah, you're right. I am a little stoked about Landon Roberts, but you have to keep it in perspective. I don't think he's going to be a starter for Miami, but I think he's going to be one of those guys that you mentioned one of your words, depth. Yeah, and you saw him. You mentioned the versatility playing fullback last year when injuries happened, and he actually wasn't very happy about it. <laughs> um, in some social I'm sure, media, I'm sure posts, he was he happy about the touchdown. I'm sure he, he was happy, happy about, about the touchdown, touchdown. I'm sure, but he was he expressed his opinions on his usage last year. But it was interesting, you know, when you look at his career in New England. You know, back in 2017, he had 67 combined tackles. He started 14 of 16 games, and that kind of decreased. Over the years, he started 11 games in 2018. He appeared in all 16 games last year, but he was used primarily as a backup, a run-stopping downhill. That's why I said perfect, because when you're talking about that downhill type of linebacker, that's what you get with a Landon Roberts. But you also get a guy, he may complain about it, but he's an unselfish player. He will fill the gap. He will fill the void wherever the team needs him, you know, just to help the team get that victory. And yeah, that was an impressive touchdown he had versus the Miami Dolphins last year. And to add to that, he's going to be one of those guys that could find a nice role for special teams. He has over 300 special team snaps to his resume, and that's going to be important for Miami as well. There's several linebackers in this unit who I feel like are going to provide some good special teams use as well. Uh, the one big thing I see that Landon Roberts is going to struggle with is going to be in coverage, but they're not going to use him a lot for that. He's going to be a run-stopping linebacker for this team, but that's one of his areas that he does need to improve on in coverage. But if you look at is over 1,700 snaps he has on defense, 854 of them are in the run defense. So right. that just shows you right there. Over over half of them are for one specific type of play. He's going to be a run-stopping linebacker for this team. Yeah, he's a situational type of linebacker. But yep. you know when you have linebackers like Jerome Baker, who is you know a little bit undersized for the linebacker position, bringing him in on you know run-stopping type of downs, uh, that's where he's really going to be able to help help this defense out. And then you mentioned on special teams, and I think it's interesting too as we transition to the next guy, Camus Grugier-Hill, who was actually a six-round pick by New England. He played for the Eagles last year. He is a guy that you're going to bring in. He may be in the mix. I mean, there's a lot of buzz out here around Hill's name uh, competing for some playing time on the actual defense, but I think what he also brings – is some stability and a really strong presence in special teams. Uh, That's where he really excelled with the Eagles last year. He was voted a 2019 captain for his contributions to special teams. So yeah, Riley, he's definitely someone Hill is that we are going to see make an impact on that side of the ball with special teams, but he can really do a lot of things on defense. He's going to definitely be used for his depth, kind of like a Landon Roberts, but he's a guy who can play inside, outside. He can take on a guard. He can step up, fill in on a run play. He can do all those kinds of things. 
but does he do them all very well? Uh, you know, the jury's still out on that. He's definitely someone who is going to be more situational as he gets time practicing with the Dolphins. They're going to try to find what role he's going to fill in with this team and how he's going to mix with some of these other linebackers. But I definitely see him as a special teams guy to start off and a rotational defender. You know what he does do very well, Mason? Kickoffs. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if you remember. Uh, was it last year? I think it was last year. Uh, Sunday night football. He had to kick off a few times. And yeah. he was good. Like, solid. Um, kicking it right to the goal line. And I didn't even realize, you know, when I was putting my notes down, you have Hill and then you have Roberts. You have a guy that's a linebacker but played some fullback. You have a guy that's a linebacker obviously played on special teams, but then he did some kicking duty. So man, they're really taking this versatility thing to the next level. They're not <laughs> screwing Brian, around. Yeah, they're they're, they're not messing around. I mean, they want guys who can play not one, not two, not three, but four positions. So it, it is very interesting and it's cool. And you never know when you need that position. I mean, you might say, Oh, well he, he won't need to kick or he won't need to play fullback, but you know what? Injuries happen. It's a very long NFL season. Things pop up. You need guys who can step in, no problem at all. We've seen it through the years where certain players come in and they play punter, they play placeholder, even kicker. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's awesome that he can do that. It just adds something to the repertoire. He's a pretty athletic guy, too. Uh, he ran a 4.5 coming out of college. He's 6.2, around 230 pounds. He is pretty solid in coverage. He's never allowed a touchdown in 357 uh, coverage snaps. So, Word is that he's going to get the opportunity to be on the field for the Miami Dolphins. There's a lot of competition, so he's one of those guys to keep your eye on when we get to training camp. All right, Mason, so he's listed as a defensive end on the Miami Dolphins website, but Curtis Weaver out of Boise State played a lot at the linebacker position at Boise State. I think you're going to be seeing him. We talk about hybrid, versatile. We're going to be seeing this guy used in a lot of different ways on this defense. So I would not be surprised if you see him at the linebacker position quite a bit this year. Yeah. I mean, we're going to see him in a lot of spots and it really depends how camp goes with some of these guys. The Dolphins have brought in a lot of new additions on different positions on defense, talking about the edge line linebacker. So they're definitely going to try to find a place for Curtis Weaver. Cause I know you're very high in Curtis Weaver. And so am I, he's a sack machine, 13 and a half sacks last season. And from everybody you talk to, all the experts, the fact that the Dolphins got him in the fifth round, the 164th pick, it is, it is a steal from everybody. If you watch his film, you watch his high motor that he has, his character is very good too. And the fact that he can play a variety of roles, it really checks all the boxes that Brian Flores is looking for with this team and this defense. Yeah, he has those traits that you really look for at the next level. You know, good instincts, reaction. You know, at the NFL level, being a linebacker, and you see it with guys, you know, Zach Thomas was not the most athletic player on the field, was he? By any means. But it's all about being able to read what the offensive's doing, your reaction time, your instincts. That's what makes a good linebacker. And then the rest kind of follows. But he's great off the line of scrimmage. Uh, he sheds blocks very well. Now, I think if he's going to play stand-up linebacker at the NFL level, he may need to lose a little bit of weight. Uh, so he's kind of in that tweener phase. And that might be why he fell in the draft, I really don't know, because the talent and the production is just outstanding. He was 2019 Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year. He's the Mountain West all-time sacks leader. So all this guy did, you know, when he was in college was produce and sack people. So 
I think he was a steal of the draft. I've said it before, and I think he's going to be vying for some playing time, if not this year, with such a crowded linebacker room. He'll find a way to get on that field eventually uh, for the Miami Dolphins, and I think he'll he's potentially going to be a staple for this defense uh, moving forward in the coming years. Uh, that's how high I think of him. No, I mean, I'm not going to argue with that. We've talked about how young this defense is. I mean, to say he's going to be a staple, I think that's a pretty realistic statement. I don't think that that is that outlandish. doesn't matter if he was drafted in the fifth round or the seventh round or the third round. This defense is full of young guys. It's full of a lot of depth, sure. But if you can rise to the top, yeah, I don't think that that's crazy at all to say that he's going to be a staple in this defense, especially if he can take that sack machine mentality he had in college and translate it to the NFL. Oh, yeah, he'll definitely get on the field. You know who else is young? I did not realize Jerome Baker is 23 years old. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's a youngin'. Yeah. And last year, he led the team 126 combined tackles. He was actually, I think, 14th in the NFL in total tackles. So yeah. this guy was a tackling machine. And I'm interested, Mason, because when I was researching him, I was just like, whoa, I was taken back a little bit. You know, in PFF, Pro Football Focus, we love them. You know, we use them. We reference them on every show. But they're not the end-all, be-all. But I was kind of shocked, like, man, why do these guys hate Jerome Baker? He was rated last year overall as a 46, which is a below-average linebacker. But if you look at his stats, the stats don't really say that. We need to get Ben Lindsay on again from PFF and ask him what the hell's going on with these <laughs> with these ratings for Jerome Baker. Going back and rewatching film, I'm actually going to side more with PFF than the stats on this. Um, you know, fans they expected a lot of things from Baker from year two, but it it never really materialized for him. Um, he was literally on the field all year long. Ninety-seven percent of the snaps. Yeah, ninety-seven percent of the snaps played over played over a thousand snaps. But as we're doing these positional breakdowns for the Dolphins, we're seeing a lot of guys who've been on the field a lot, and sometimes that's not a good thing. We know how the Dolphins struggled a lot last year on both sides of the ball. I think some of those stats are inflated for Baker a little bit because of how poor the Dolphins were on defense and how often they were on the field. Obviously, because their offense couldn't stay on the field. Uh, only four games all year where he had two or more pressures on the QB. So he is not a great pass rushing linebacker. I mean, I think the Dolphins don't feel like that is going to be his skill set, but he needs to feature a better rush set skill set than we saw in 2019. I'm not going to disagree with what you said, but this guy is a stud. You just got to use him correctly. He's a speed linebacker. He's the lightest linebacker on the Dolphins roster. So this is a guy that can get sideline to sideline. But yeah, you're right. Last year, it was concerning. If you kind of dig into the stats, yeah, 126 tackles, very impressive, but only three for loss. And if you look, Mason, Andrew Van Ginkle only appeared in 18% of the defensive snaps compared to Jerome Baker's 97%. So Baker had three tackles for loss. Van Ginkle had four tackles for loss, playing in 18% of the defensive snaps. So you're right. He wasn't getting pressure in the backfield. He wasn't penetrating and, you know, clogging up this, those holes and causing chaos in the backfield. And that's a little concerning, but, you know, it depends on how he's used in the defense. Yeah. And I mean, speaking of Van Ginkle, I mean, yeah, he's somebody who's he's a talented edge rusher for the Dolphins. And he showed a lot last season that he showed in college in Wisconsin. So, the, you know, the tape the Dolphins saw in college, it did translate a little bit for Van Ginkle. He just has to get on the field more for Miami. Uh, you know, he started the season last year on injury reserve, early camp emergence. It was put on hold until later in the season. But 
when he got his shot, he did a solid job. So Van Ginkle is somebody I really am curious to see how he can do in training camp in the preseason to see if he can get some playing time. Yeah, he's one of those guys that made plays when he was in. I mentioned the tackles for loss. He had a fumble recovery. And then you look at guys a little farther down like Trent Harris. He only played in three games, but in those three games, and Mason, this is your guy from the U. He was 13 all ACC at the U, led him in sacks his senior year. He had 22 tackles in three games for the Dolphins, a sack and a half and a forced fumble. So in limited playing time, he was making things happen. So it'll be interesting to see what guys like Van Ginkle and Harris can do if they're given the opportunity early to make their mark and try to get some playing time. But we've mentioned, and we haven't even gone through the whole list yet, you know, you can start to see this depth, this competition starting to rise. I mean, you got guys like Van Noy that you know is going to play a lot. We talked about Baker playing 97% of the snaps. I don't think that's really going to change much, honestly. Guys like that are going to be on the field a lot. So you also mentioned, and it was a great point, you're going to see a lot of sub packages from the Miami Dolphins, a lot of nickel, a lot of dime. So you're not going to see these linebackers have the opportunity to get on the field. So when they get on that field, they're going to have to make the most of it. Yeah. Speaking of packages, though, let's let's. This is a perfect uh, transition to our next guy, Raekwon McMillan. I mean, th- this is somebody who PFF ranked last season as the 11th best run defensive grade for a linebacker. Now, coverage was another story, 64th. So this is someone who's really going to be coming in at different spots in the game. Before injuries reduce his workload, he was one of the league best stopping the run. So he's definitely someone the Dolphins have who they're going to use him to their advantage when it is time to stop the run. I like him a lot, but I really wish. It's kind of a theme with this, these, this linebacking group. There's a lot of guys who can do one thing solid, but they need to improve on another thing. As we're going through these guys, you can kind of see that theme. It, it's showing up, Riley. If you have Raquan McMillan and Jerome Baker, if they were one player, they'd be like the oh. ultimate linebacker. <laughs> they really would. And they it's, would. it's interesting because we talked about this, you know, with Van Noy. You know, Baker's a pretty versatile guy. He's a little undersized, but, you know, other players on the defense that are versatile and offense, quite frankly. But Raquan McMillan is not that. So how does he fit in Brian Flores' system and I guess his vision of what he wants from his defense? Because you saw it. In 2018, he had over 100 tackles. In 2019, you saw his playing time kind of decrease uh, less and less. He played in under 50% of the snaps overall last season. So he wasn't on the field nearly as much. He ended with 72 combined tackles. But yeah, he does one thing extremely well, but he is a liability in coverage. So I think the Dolphins knew that last year and were trying to mask that as best they could. So Either McMillan gets better in pass coverage or he becomes a situational linebacker. And Mason, he's going into a contract year, and I would love for the Dolphins to keep McMillan, but they're going to have to sort out the best way to use him on the field to make him most effective. Yeah, the Dolphins definitely know what he's good at. Only three games last season where he played in more passing snaps than running snaps. So Miami really knew when to play McMillan. They knew when he couldn't be on the field because he would expose some weaknesses. Like you mentioned and I mentioned, Riley, he does one thing very well, and that's stopping the run. He attacks pulling guards with unmatched aggressiveness, and he rarely misses tackles. He's a very, very solid stopping the run linebacker, but something's got to give. He's got to show the Dolphins that he can be more than that because of all the depth they have on this roster. When it comes to contract time, it's going to be hard to re-sign him if the Dolphins have other guys who can do both things average. And what doesn't help him either is he's not much of a threat at rushing the quarterback either. 
uh, getting in the backfield. We talked about that with Jerome Baker, and you kind of get the same thing with McMillan. So going into a contract year, it's kind of a big, kind of a big deal um, when you have to put up those stats to get that big, that big time money <laughs> going into your second contract. <laughs> so there's a lot on the line for McMillan this year. And I'm personally, I'm a fan. I love his playing style, but I feel like the old school linebacker Mason is kind of a dying breed in the NFL. And I feel like that's kind of what Raekwon McMillan is, you know, that, that tougher, he's may not be as quick off his feet, but he's going to clog those lanes. He's just going to be that physical dominant presence in the middle, but in coverage, he's a complete liability. You're seeing guys more like Jerome Baker coming in now that you can utilize in a more pass happy league from the linebacker position. I feel like those kind of guys, those hybrid guys, right, are taking over at the linebacker position. So where's McMillan going to fit in this team, especially bringing in all these new faces? Uh, that That's a big question mark. Yeah, I mean, I, I see him being someone out there when the Dolphins use a four linebacker set. But like I mentioned before, they, they don't do that a ton because of all their packages with five or six defensive backs. But, you know, yeah, I, I can see him being on the field quite a bit in four linebacker sets, but you know, he's going to have to show more. So let's talk about Sam McGuavin because he's an interesting cat. So he played in the CFL before he came to Miami. He even, I watched some videos on him, you know, over the past couple of weeks as we prepared for this segment, you know, he even considered giving up football. I mean, the CFL life is nothing like the NFL life. You know, you don't make that kind of money. Uh, obviously going up to Canada, you're away from your family, your friends. So he was talking about a time where he was like, is football really in my future? But he came back in 2018, had 81 tackles, a pick, three sacks, 10 stops on special teams. That was key, I think, for him getting an NFL contract. And last year, his first year with Miami, Mason, he played in 16 games, all 16 for the Dolphins, 42 tackles, three and a half sacks. And his QB rating in coverage was pretty good, too. He only allowed an 85.5. So it was solid, a respectable number there. So he's an excellent tackler. He's a great guy to kind of have around in the special teams game. Where does Aguavin fit? He got some playing time last year, but you know, with the new additions, is he going to see the field much this year? That's another question mark. Yeah, he was a Saskatchewan Rough Rider for the Canadian Football League for three seasons. Now, Riley, didn't the Dolphins once upon a time get another CFL player who turned into a legend in Miami? Hmm. Those, are, those are quite quite the shoes to fill. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm kidding a little bit, obviously. I mean, I'm not comparing Aguavin to Cameron Wake, but, you know, the physical ability's there, but he is an undersized player for the linebacker position. But you went over his stats, Riley. He definitely made an imprint, and he made a good impression on the Dolphins last season, finishing the season, three and a half sacks. He's definitely going to be somebody there for depth. He's definitely going to have a big training camp this year to see where he's going to fit in that rotation with the linebackers. I am rooting for him though. I like those underdog stories. We yeah, talked about it. Uh, you know, Bryce Dirk, when we interviewed him, we like those underdog stories, guys coming from small schools, seeing how they can find a niche on this team. It's going to be interesting to see what a can do, but you know, he did a good job with quarterback pressures last season. I, I like his style, but he is an undersized guy. He's going to have to fight a lot to get on the field on defense. Now, special teams, I can see him contributing more on that. His best shot at getting on the field is in sub packages. If he can show that he can cover those tight ends, which he excelled at, especially in the CFL, that's where he's going to make his way onto the field. But, you know, you kind of alluded to it. Let's talk about it for a minute. So if you think about the linebacking unit here, yeah, the base defense for the Miami Dolphins, you're looking at a 3-4 defense, so four linebackers. But I'm not sure how much they're going to be in that base defense this year, Mason. I mean, clearly the strength of this team 
is in the secondary. That's where all the money, all the big money is. Uh, that's where Brian Flores, his background, uh, Josh Boyer, his background is in the secondary. So they went all in on beefing up the secondary through free agency, through the draft. So that's really going to be the core of this defense. So how often are you going to see four linebackers on the field? My guess is not much. No, not much at all. I mean, I feel like for the Dolphins starting linebackers, when they do use two, it's going to most likely be Kyle Van Noy and Jerome Baker, just yeah, because agreed. of what they what they can both bring with those different skill sets there. And when we see four, we're going to probably see... McMillan probably be that third guy, yeah, I guess. Yeah, McMillan. And then the one guy we actually haven't talked about yet, Riley, the guy who actually logged twice as many quarterback hits as any other defender not named Sam McGuivin last season... Vince Beagle. I mean, I can definitely see him being out there as the fourth starting linebacker with this unit. Oh, yeah. His name is definitely up there coming off a season where, you know, he logged 59 total tackles, seven tackles for loss. And what's interesting about Beagle is it was his third season last year with Miami. Up till that point, he had not played in back-to-back seasons with any team. So this is his first time with some stability, some consistency. So it'll be interesting to see how he kind of progresses in the system, I know they're bringing a new defensive coordinator, but still, Brian Flores is there, so you think everything is going to facilitate through him. So now that Beagle has some consistency, at least in where he's playing, you saw it kind of during the course of last year, he was making it so it was hard to take him off the field. Can he keep that going? Because you're right. I could see him competing for a starting linebacker position. Absolutely could see it happening. Yeah, and Beagle's versatility, that's what makes him such a coveted player for the Dolphins, and that's what's going to get him on the field. He's one of the most consistent players off the edge for them. He plays maybe five or six different positions on this de- on this defense. He has moved all around the field. So with that being said, we know how much Flores likes those guys he can put in different spots. Beagle's going to be on the field quite a bit. He was on there about 56% last season. Uh, if you remember, Riley, we got him when we swapped uh, linebackers with the Saints for Kiko Alonso. But yep. he's, a, he's a scrappy guy. I like him a lot. He can do a lot for the run game. He earned himself a second season in South Florida. I'm excited to see how he can up his game this season. And he's not the most athletic guy, but then again, I've talked about it with guys like Zach Thomas, you know, Hall of Fame caliber linebackers. They're not necessarily the most athletic guys, but as long as you have good instincts, being able to read and react to what the offense is doing, you can make up for that lacking in athleticism. Last year, PFF rated this guy 75 in coverage. I mean, when you think of Vince Beagle, you don't think of a guy that's going to be able to hang with running backs out of the backfield, athletic tight ends, but he was able to do it. He was able to hold his own, and that's a big reason why I said they couldn't get him off the field. Once he went on, he made it harder and harder for the Dolphins to take him off. So I think he absolutely is going to compete for a starting job this year. The question is, though, how often is he going to get the opportunity to be on the field if Baker and Van Noy are your kind of your two go-to guys um, in sub packages, or you're going to be swapping in and out? You have guys like Aguavin who bring a very similar skill set to Beagle. Like we've talked about, the competition for this position—it's probably the toughest competition going to training camp out of any position group on the Dolphins. I'd say besides offensive line, this is going to be the one to watch in training camp. There's going to be a lot of battles when it gets closer to training camp and we break down some of the training camp battles. There's going to be a lot of interesting battles going on for the linebackers. And it's going to be another interesting thing is going to be how the COVID situation affects that. You know, how much can these guys get on the field together? How much can the coaches watch these guys interact? Because if that is an issue, we may see some of these young guys not start the season 
on the field and be more rotational players and have some of the veterans. <laughs> and obviously when I say veterans, I mean like 25 and 26 year old veterans out right. there for the dolphins. Yeah. And these guys no, are it, so, these guys are so young, Mason, who's going to be that guy that steps up, you know, when you're that young and you get a year or two of experience, you're going to see some guys kind of plateau and some guys take that next step. So where guys like Jerome Baker, you saw him kind of take that next step in terms of, you know, his tackling, but is he going to be able to take that next step in terms of making a difference in the running game, pressure in the quarterback, or are you going to see guys like Vince Beagle kind of come in and, you know, take over, take over that position um, based on, you know, where they are in their progression throughout their career. Yeah. We haven't seen a lot of plateaus hit for many of these guys at all, maybe for certain skill sets they have, but overall talent, this is a young, young linebacking group. And I'm excited to see what this group can do next season. A lot of competition coming into training camp, a lot of depth, a lot of youth, and a lot of versatility from this linebacking core. So that's going to wrap it up for our breakdown of the linebacking unit. We want to know what you guys think. Let us know on social media. Who do you think the starter should be or will be for the Miami Dolphins going into the 2020 season? If you're starting in a 3-4 base defense, four linebackers, who are your top four that you think are going to come out for the Miami Dolphins week one? Let us know at Finit to Win It on Facebook and Twitter. Remember, you still have time, guys, to get in on this Tua Jersey giveaway. One more day, because tomorrow, Fins Up Friday, we are announcing the winner. So visit us on social media, interact with the posts so you can be entered to win a free Tua Jersey. All right, so that's going to do it. We're really excited for Fins Up Friday tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finit to Win It. For Mason, I'm Riley. Until next time, Fins Up, Dolphins fans. Oh,